0: You're listening to the Audacious Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at our Manchester campus. We know this is a great investment into your life. So tune in, listen up and stay focused. For any more information, visit us online audaciouschurch.com. Awesome, we love you church. We're so excited about everything God is doing. So thrilled to hear reports about what's happening in our North Manchester and South Manchester location as well. So if you're wondering where someone is, you haven't seen them for a while, then they may be in our North or South Manchester location, or they may be in Cardiff, New Campus, or they may be in Chester, in, in um, uh, she- Sheffield as well, New Campus as well. So lots of exciting things happening and lots of great things to look forward to into the new year. Well, we are just gonna change our. Uh, uh, tack just a little bit over these next coming weeks as we focus a little bit of attention on the vision of Audacious Church and specifically in these next few weeks as we lead up to our vision offering on Sunday the 13th of November. Now the vision offering this year is gonna be a little bit different to usual. Usual we do it over six months and we give everybody an opportunity to redeem a pledge over a six month period of time This time, we're gonna do it different in that we're gonna have an opportunity to give and sow into vision on Sunday, the 13th of November, also as part of a first fruit in our New Year's Eve service, starting at about 11 o'clock on New Year's Eve, prayer, worship, prophetic, praying into the new year over into New Year's Day. And then a final moment on Sunday, I think it's the 8th of January as well, And so it's gonna be a shorter vision offering stint, but it in no way kind of is designed to limit what we are believing God to do in this season. How many of you know vision increases? The further you step, the more you see. The more courage you have, the more resource it requires in order to move forward to do great things. And one thing, Church, you can be guaranteed of is that every year in our church, we will continue to present vision, we will continue to sow into vision and missional opportunities. Because how many of you know God's not done yet? Four of you, how many of you know God's not done yet? He's not done with you, He's not done with me. And everything we do is not just for our generation, but for the generations to come. Remember this, four things about our giving in a few weeks time. Firstly, remember that our giving needs to be radical, but not reckless. That's so important. Radical simply comes from hearing from God. What does God say? But not reckless. Secondly, it's about sacrificing luxuries, but not living. It's about living, folks, and I believe that the Lord wants us to live and enjoy life. But there are moments in sacrificial giving where we have an opportunity to sacrifice luxuries. Thirdly, we want to give by faith and not by credit. There's only a few people that I know who know how to use credit cards really well and really wisely. So we give by faith and not by credit. And the last thing is this, is wanna encourage you all to pray and prepare. Because the most radical way to give is to give in response to what the Lord says. Okay, enough about money, let's talk about vision. Numbers chapter 11, Numbers chapter 11. In fact, we're gonna read a fairly lengthy passage. So the best way to do it, I think, is come on, let's stand together for the reading of the Word of God this morning. Numbers chapter 11. I find this passage so encouraging for me, a Christian, a Christian leader, a human. We're reading about the famous Moses. Moses heard the people of every family wailing at the entrance to their tents. The Lord became exceedingly angry and Moses was troubled. He asked the Lord, why have you brought this trouble on your servant? What have I done to displease you that you put the burden of all of these people on me? Did I conceive all of these people? Did I give them birth? Why do you tell me to carry them in my arms as a nurse carries an infant to the land you promised on oath to their ancestors? Where can I get meat for all of these people? They keep wailing to me, give us meat to eat. I cannot carry all these people by myself, the burden is too heavy for me. And then Moses, the great leader, says, "If this is going to how you are you going to treat me, God? Then please kill me." Anybody else find great encouragement in that? <laughs> it's too heavy for Moses, God. I, I just want to die, is what he's saying. Kill me, and Lord, honestly, if I found favor in your eyes, don't let me face my own ruin. The Lord said to Moses, so I want you to bring 70 of Israel's elders who are known, uh, 70 of Israel's elders who are known to you as leaders and officials among the people. Have them come to the tent of meeting that they may stand with you there. I will come down and speak with you there and I will take some of the power of the Spirit that is on you and put it on them. And they will share the burden of the people with you so that you will not have to carry this all alone tell the people get ready consecrate yourselves for tomorrow when you for tomorrow you will eat meat verse 21 Moses said here I am among 600,000 men on foot soldiers and you say I will give them meat to eat for a whole month would they have enough if flocks and herds were slaughtered for them would they ever have enough if all the fish in the sea were caught for them the lord said to Moses is the lord's arm too short Audacious church in your life, in your business, in your family, is the Lord's arm too short? Now you will see whether or not what I say will come true for you. So Moses went out and told the people what the Lord had said. He brought together 70 of the elders and had them stand around the tent. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke with them. And He took some of the power and the Spirit that was on him, on Moses, and put it on the 70 elders. When the Spirit rested on them, they prophesied, but did not do so again. However, there were two whose names were Eldad and Medad, and they had remained in camp. They were listed among the elders, but did not go to the tent of meeting. Yet the Spirit also rested on them, and they prophesied in the camp. A young man ran and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp, Joshua, son of Nun, who had been with Moses' aid since youth, spoke up and said, Moses, my Lord, stop them. But Moses said, are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put His Spirit on all of them. Then Moses and the elders of Israel returned to camp. Now a wind went out from the Lord and drove quail in from the sea. It scattered them up to two cubits deep all around the camp as far as a day's walk in any direction. All that day and night and all the next day, the people went out and gathered quail meat to eat. No one gathered less than 10 homers. Then they spread them out around the whole camp. You can grab your seats. Here we have the people of God and they were in between slavery and the promised land. They had been slaves in Egypt. We know the story. They'd been involved in building the pyramids, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And now on their way to the promised land, they're finding themselves in, in a sense, no man's land in the wilderness where they're hungry. In fact, the Bible says that many of them wished they were back in slavery because at least they had food. And yet here in this no man's land, God does a miracle of faith and provision that causes them not only to have full bellies, but it happens because Moses says, this is impossible on my own. And God says, yes, but together you will see significant things. There are four lessons I want us to consider today as we think about our vision offering Sunday. But more than that, four principles I believe that are significant for all of our lives in business, in life, in leadership, and in influence. And the first lesson is this, is I wanna encourage you, church, get ready to share the burden. Get ready to share the burden. This whole idea that we are not a group of individuals, but we are a family who come together. If you wanna know what pastoral care and support is, it's about knowing that you're not alone. It's about knowing that there are those who stand with you. It's about knowing that when you face hardships, you don't face the hardships alone because you have a small group in Audacious Church that you're a part of who are with you. You have a pastoral system of men and women of God who are believing in faith for you. You are not alone. And something happened that was significant here in Numbers 11, because when they were ready to share the burden, then there was a miracle of incredible provision. There's a strange verse in Proverbs chapter 6 that teaches us about the ant, A-N-T. And it says this, go to the ant, you sluggard, you lazy person. But it says this, it says, consider the ant's Ways and be wise. So let's think about the ant for a moment. There's several things we can learn about ants. Firstly, ants are never intimidated by the size of the task. Ants may be small, but if ever you've seen an ant carry something, you'll be amazed by the size of the burden that it can carry. Ants never give up halfway through something. When ants commit to something, they commit to the very end. And I think, you know, it's, it's probably normal and natural that every single one of us at times are overcome by the size of a task or an obstacle before us. But the Bible says, no, 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 go to the ant. Learn its ways and be wise. The second lesson we learn about the ants is that ants depend upon each other. Ants never go it alone. Ants work in teamwork. They do things together. Scientists tell us that ants have the capacity to carry up to 20 times, up to 20 times their weight because of the way their exoskeleton works. But when they work together, they have the capacity to carry up to 1,000 times their weight. By sharing the burden, ants can do the impossible. And the Bible says, hey, church, go to the ant and think about the way it works. The third lesson on the ants is this, is that ants are organised. They actually have a hive mentality. In fact, scientists tell us a hive of ants actually think the same. They think in unison. Though they communicate through different means, they they have in one mind what they will do and through organisation they can achieve the impossible. The fourth thing about the ant is that ants play different roles. So we have the worker ant, the queen ant, the drone ant, the soldier ant, and each of them play their part to achieve the impossible. And the last lesson from the ant is this, is that the ants... Get it done. They don't give up. They get it done. Because the mindset is this. The quicker we get it done, the sooner we can get momentum. And I think in all of our lives, maybe in any area of our lives, whether it's our own personal financial investments, whether it's work, whether it's family decisions, whatever it may be, the idea of gaining momentum through getting things done is a huge key for success. Procrastination is one of the greatest obstacles in all of our lives. And the Bible's clear here that, that, that when we think about the ants, then we too can see the same sort of success that ants begin to see. And so when we reflect back into Numbers chapter 11, what, what Moses is saying is this. Moses is saying, the Scriptures is teaching us, that in sharing the burden, we begin to see God do amazing things. Now let's think about the church. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2, you church, also, me and you, we are like living stones that are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Not just the pastor, the vicar, the priest, but we are a holy priesthood. Offering spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And so when we understand that church is not about a consumer idea, some people come to a church and leave a church because they like the style, because they like a building, because they like a look. But I want you to know, church, that is, that is probably just the, the worst way to make a decision because the Bible's clear that we're being built together into a spiritual house and that the spiritual house, just like bricks and mortar, every brick that features next to each other, single bricks, but together shares the burden of creating a home for the people who live inside. And I want you to see today, that's what the spiritual house is all about. It's about us finding our part, playing our part, sharing our burden to create a house for the glory of God in our cities, a house where people can find a home in Jesus Christ. So Numbers 11 is saying, hey, let's share the burden. Share the burden, watch what I'll do. The second lesson is this, and I think this is brilliant. It says, teaching us to get ready to consecrate yourself. Be prepared, verse 18 of Numbers 11. Prepare yourself. Prepare yourself. Get ready for what's about to happen. Touch your neighbor's knee, say, Get ready. Touch your other neighbor's knee, say, Get ready, get ready, get ready. We got to get ready for a new season. Today I'm wearing my blue suede shoes. The Bible says, How blessed are the feet of those who bring good news. And in every new season of my life, whoa! in every new season of my life, what I do is I always seek to find a new pair of shoes in preparation for what God is about to do. These shoes, I didn't buy them. Somebody actually bought me these shoes in May because in May, I was entering a new season in life and they bought these shoes and they said, Glenn, I've got you some blue suede shoes because you're about to walk into a new season. It's preparation. I put my shoes on in the morning in preparation for the day. Get ready. Get ready, God says. Get ready, consecrate, prepare. Church, I want you to know that consecration, the getting ready in the Bible, was always accompanied by a sacrifice. In Joshua chapter 3, verse 5, it says, Consecrate yourself, for tomorrow I will do great things. And I think that as we as a church, as we consider vision moments, as we consider the next season, it's about actually preparing for a promised land, which is more than just a building and buildings. It's more than just expansion of size. It's about setting something up for future generations in Jesus' Name. The third lesson from Numbers chapter 11 is this, is I wanna say to you, get ready for overflow. Get ready for overflow. The Bible says in Numbers 11, verse 26 and 27, Eldad and Medad, who were listed among the elders, weren't actually at the tent of meeting, but the Spirit of God still found them there. And listen, if you've been a Christian any longer than two minutes, you'll know that overflow is a fantastic idea. When you see overflow, overflow means so much blessing that you can't contain it. And the reality is this, is that we understand because we are in a spiritual house, then the overflow of one person blesses another. Now, I wanna ask something. Uh, About four weeks ago, I preached a message called Expect Surprise. Do you remember that? And I said to everyone, hey, in this next season, I want you to have your eyes open, have your spirit ready. Expect surprise, because God's gonna do something. If in the last four weeks, you have been surprised by the goodness of God, give me a wave, give me a wave. Have a look around, keep waving, keep waving, keep waving. Have a look around, have a look around, have a look around. Have a look around, look at that, look at that, look at that, look at that. I have been inundated. With, with messages on social media, emails, text messages, people who watch the service online from around the world. I was in Melbourne three Sundays ago and I had people coming up to me saying, I watched your message, I expect surprise. I've heard about promotions, pay rises, people getting a new mortgage at a discount rate. Hello, I've heard about people having debts paid off, People have been trying to get visas to live in the United Kingdom for seven years and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, getting visas through. I mean, miracle after miracle after miracle. You know what that's called? That's called overflow. Because God spoke to me from the Word and I spoke to you from the Word. And then there was an overflow of breakthrough. There was an overflow. And now every time I hear stories coming back, it encourages my faith. And the overflow that came from that one preached Word has not just blessed many, but now it's blessing me because I'm thinking if God can do it for Justin, then why can't He do it for me? Come on somebody, overflow's great. We should love overflow. And we see this happening here. There was an overflow that took place. It, 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 the Spirit of God touched the people of the tent of the meeting and also Medad and Eldad. They weren't even there. But the overflow reached them. So spiritually speaking, overflow is awesome. But naturally speaking, overflow is messy. Nobody likes it when the bath overflows. How many of you know when somebody makes you a cup of coffee, you don't want the cup to... Overflow. You ever been in a situation where you flushed the toilet and all of a sudden there is a... All the time that I was going to speak in a church and my son was with me, he was about eight at the time, I had light coloured jeans on and just before I got to preach, he spilt his hot chocolate right into my lap with no time to get changed. Overflow. Overflow is messy. The Bible puts it this way in Luke chapter 6, thinking in the context of the way we interact with each other. But in Luke chapter 6, it says, Given it will be given to you, a good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Overflow is messy. It involves and usually doesn't look the way we want it to look. When God blesses, He blesses in unique ways. It's messy. We see that Eldad and Me Dad got blessed by God. And in fact, it was caught everybody's surprise so much so that a young man ran back to Moses and Joshua and said, Hey, it's not fair. He got the overflow too. Did you know when, when we actually come to a place where we get ready to, to, to share the burden and we get ready to prepare, we're, we're consecrating ourselves, we've also got to get ready for overflow. Do you know we are right now sitting in the overflow of the last 15 years of Audacious Church? The overflow of blessing. Because for 15 years, people have been sharing the burden. For 15 years, people have been preparing. And right now, we sit in the overflow of that moment. The last lesson is this, as the musos come, is I wanna say to your church, get ready for harvest. This is what vision offerings about. This is what vision Sunday is about. It's about being ready, preparing ourselves for the harvest that God's going to bring. The Bible says in Numbers chapter eleven, verse thirty-one: "A wind blew up and drove quail into the camp." And I know that seems like a weird miracle to us today, friends, but they were hungry, and they were starving, and they were asking for meat. And because of their ability to share burden and consecration and preparing for overflow, God says, right, now I'm bringing to you a harvest. And you will not just have enough, but you will have more than enough. I wanna prophesy over your church more than enough. I wanna prophesy more than enough. In a season of fear and difficulty, I wanna prophesy more than enough. I I, I wanna prophesy that the God of heaven and earth who knows the beginning from the end. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. We're declaring over your life more than enough. Not just enough to get through, but more than enough. More than enough. An overflow into your life. An overflow, that means when you are blessed by God, the overflow becomes something that you're able to sow in somebody else's life. Now listen, I know the the, the focus is vision offering, but I'm talking about way more than vision offering, friends. I'm talking about an overflow of grace and an overflow of love and an overflow of thankfulness and an overflow of kindness. This sense of overflow. Because what happens is this, and it's true, if God can get it through you, He'll get it to you. Think about that. If He can get it through you, He'll get it to you. I'm living testimony of that over 27 years. Just this week I've been in two days of meeting in the movement of churches that we are a part of. And with 16 leaders in the upstairs room back in the mezzanine floor there, we began to strategize and pray and worship and believe together for how many churches can we plant over the next 11 years? And at the end of the goal setting, the dreaming, the praying, the strategizing, 16 groups of leaders from 16 different countries in Europe, we've reached a point of establishing and identifying that in the next 11 years together, we will plant 6,197 new churches. 6,197 new churches. Bulgaria. Croatia, Cyprus, North Macedonia, Albania, France, Germany, all the Scandinavian countries. I mean, it was incredible. And not just the people in the room, but we've got another two thirds of the leaders who couldn't be there. And the goal, aspirational goal that I have is this, is 12,000 new churches. Now, let me give you a global statistic for churches, right? Justin, come up here for a second. Johnny, come up here. And uh, John, you come up here as well, okay? I I want you to see this for a second. John, you represent the Mother Church, all right? Stand there next to John. John, John, Justin, the three J's. John represents the Mother Church. This is the church that's planting, gonna establish church number two. The global statistics, true in most continents of the world are this, is if this church plants this church. If this church here plants another church within three years, then this church here has a 93% survival rate. But if church number two doesn't plant a church within three years, its survival rate drops to 8%. Because if God can get it through you, He can get it to you thanks guys it's true in every area of your life you are either a dam holding everything back or you're saying no 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 I, I want the river of God the river of blessing to throw through my to flow through my life I, I don't want to just hold on and keep uh, uh. the Bible says freely you have received freely give freely you have been forgiven so now forgive. Freely, you have received grace from people. So why don't you show grace? Freely, you've been forgiven of the way you've offended people. So why don't you take a moment to stop holding offense? fence? So I'm gonna forgive you too. Because the reality is this, is the more God can get it through me, the more God gets it to me. Why has Audacious grown into seven, eight locations, seven locations? Why are we seeing God do what He's done? I'll tell you why. It's because 14 months into the journey of our church, we decided to plant another church in the south of Poland, in a city called Krakow. And there are people who are in our church here even right now who would fly out on a Saturday night. If you remember, we had four missions teams. You'd go once a month You'd fly out on Saturday night, get to Poland, do church Sunday morning in Poland, fly home Sunday afternoon and report back to church Sunday night in Manchester what had happened that morning in Poland. And we did it for 10 months. And now our church in Krakow is housing a thousand refugees from the Ukraine. Is it three or four schools we've set up in in, in that part of of Poland for, for the Ukrainians who are living there currently. Clothing, feeding, you church have sent them 450,000 pounds or thereabouts just this year alone to support that. And what a joy to be a part of that. If God can get it through us, He'll get it to you. I dare you this week, forgive. I dare you. I dare you this week to take all that offence that maybe you've bottled up and say, you know what, I'm getting rid of this. I'm, I, I'm, my life's too short to carry this offence and this hurt and this pain anymore. I, I dare your friends, in the vision offering to pray. Seek the face of the Lord and say, God, well, what is it? How do you want me to sow? How do you want me to invest in this? For I've been in church, Church pastor for 27 years, and for 27 years I've been sowing in division. And all I know is this every time God can get it through me, He can get it to me. The harvest is ready. Matthew chapter 9. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When He saw the crowds, He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then He said to His disciples, The harvest is plentiful. But the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send our workers into the harvest field. And so, even though we're talking about a harvest of overflow in all of our lives, friends, the actual harvest that we're really talking about is the souls of men and women. That if we believe honestly in a heaven and hell, if we believe in a Christless eternity, if we understand and we believe truly what it means to be a follower of Jesus then we will do everything in our power to see a city and nation one to Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that this week, walking through our cities, I pray that walking through our respective countries, wherever we are watching online right now, Lord, open our eyes to see that the harvest is ripe. May we just not see our colleagues in the cars that they drive, the clothes that they wear. But Lord, may we see our colleagues as men and women who need You, Jesus. The harvest is ripe. And Father, as we commit our time and our energy over these just next two weeks or so, thinking and praying and believing about the vision offering, Lord, I'm asking in Jesus' Name that You would speak to each and every one of us about how we can stand and we can contribute into this great miracle. Just even right now in your own life where you're sitting, maybe you're, you built walls around your life, a, a dam, a, you're holding back something. And actually what needs to happen right now is you're just saying, actually, I'm gonna open open this damn door. I'm gonna open the damn, this wall that's holding back unforgiveness. Right now, open the door. Just say, I, I, I'm making a choice today to forgive. Open that door and say, I'm making a choice to release offence and release bitterness, no more to be a part of my life. For Lord, we stand in Your presence and we're believing for overflow. Thank you for listening to this Audacious Podcast. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. We'd love for you to join us at one of our campuses, Manchester, Chester or online, every Sunday, 10am and 12pm.